Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit, 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for more information on joining. This is Cash. And this is the former Viceroy of Chicago, Mark. This is the, for- the philatelist formerly known as Sir Jim. And uh, today, first of all, a shout-out to uh, Timothy Gale, who won the PSE It's Not Just Stamps Award. We give out an award at... Um, a, a lot of the shows. This was at Ballpex. And uh, it's for stamps, a uh, stamp exhibit that is more about a story than a stamp. So if you are, you know, showing all the plate varieties of U.S. number 427, uh, that's kind of not what we're looking for. If you, This one here is um, False Hopes and Lasting Thanks, The Battle of Arnhem. And so it's a story. Also, the NSDA gives out two awards. Our most popular award, uh, Thomas Schilling, not the Tom Schilling that uh, works here. Uh, U.S. First Day Covers of Overrun Countries. That was the most popular. And uh, NSDA gives one for Outstanding Presentation, meaning, you know, it looks nice. Could be crap stamps, but it looks nice. This is Lewis Cup. I'm going to butcher your name. Caprario, 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 I think. Yeah. Pre-Prohibition United States beer stamps. So congratulations to you guys. Yeah, beer stamps always look really presentable. Yeah. Yeah. They're an attractive, attractive stamp. Well, Colonel Green was a famous, famous stamp collector in the 1920s and 1930s. And uh, his mother, was it his mother? Who was the uh, witch of Wall Street? Yes. Yeah. I believe that's true. So he his family made gazillion dollars. We uh, we were talking about this. The back this was back in the day. Uh, she owned um, real estate um, in downtown New York, and this was back in the days before um, federal income tax. So there was no. Uh, sharing with the government this income. (laughs) So they had, by the time he inherited her fortune, um, they were, oh, she was a notorious um, uh, frugal person. And the story goes that Colonel Green actually walked with a limp because she refused to take him to the doctor when he had his leg hurt. And he always had a limp after that. So she just saved everything. And his goal in life, according to his own records, <laughs> was to spend in one day as much as income as was coming in in one day. And he never succeeded in doing that. <laughs> he bought yachts, he bought diamonds, he bought stamps yep. and coins, never could spend it all. And Scott just walked in. Say hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. Anyway, so Colonel Green, and this was in the early to mid-1930s, he bought a 
four foot, four feet across magnifying glass to look at stamps. Four feet. Wow. It cost him $22,000, which in today money is about $400,000. So he spent $400,000 for a four-foot magnifying glass to look at his stamps. My question is, how do you lean over far enough to actually not get parallax and, and a distortion? I, well, we're going to discuss that as a matter of fact, because we're going to today talk about all the tools that we use for stamp collecting. And one of the tools that we use is not a four-foot magnifying glass. So, Scott, no. you you stepped in it. Why don't you go ahead and talk, <laughs> talk about parallax and why a four-foot magnifying glass is probably not the best idea. Well, uh, generally, there's some... Well, first of all, it's not going to be flat. It's, it's going to have a, a concave surface to it to provide the magnification. Uh, the center of the magnifier is going to have the uh, most optimal, clearest uh, image and with the proper magnification. And uh, the outer edges is going to be slightly distorted because the thickness of the, the glass is, is different than it is at the center. And uh, and it's not going to be well. Even if it is as clear, uh, it's going to be a different magnification as well. That is true. And it, an interesting thing, we got a sixty power. This is called sixty X currency detecting with LED microscope. And pull it up on Google or pull it up on uh, Amazon. They're cheap. They're like $15, I think it is. And it's basically a little battery pack, and it shines light into a little magnifying glass. But it's 60 power, which, Scott, why don't you tell why 60 power isn't the best thing in the world? Well, if you've ever heard the expression, the forest for the trees, this is getting into the uh, into the trees versus seeing the forest. Yeah. Uh, it's just too close. You can't see what's around it. You don't get any context to what you're looking at. However, I did find one really good use for this. Detecting regums. Looking for gum and perfs. This is a fantastic tool for that. Well, you, you know, with higher magnifications, um, you can always find something wrong. And the object isn't, as an expert, it, the object isn't necessarily to, to find what's wrong with a stamp because with enough magnification you'll find something on everything and that's not the goal we just want to make sure that they haven't been altered and, and it's not uh, something that's going to affect the value so this guy for putting it over the purse looking for gum because when a stamp is regummed it's hard to keep the gum out of the perf holes because of the way it's done it's done after the, the purples are done. Yeah, but you can have a you can have a stamp that, you know, say it came from the Philippines or Cuba or something like that, and it it's a or even Florida or Hawaii. It's it's a more humid atmosphere, and you know during the day the gum may get a little bit softer, and with a magnification that high, you may not be able to tell the difference between a regum and just a stamp that's 
been in the tropics for a few months. That is true. So that's why something like that can be dangerous uh, in the wrong hands. Is, is you don't have the context because you, you, you're focused in so closely on a single area that you don't see the surrounding area and you don't get those other clues that tell you it one from the other. So, Mark, what magnification do you use? What magnifier do you use? Well, I use a 10-power loop, which is pretty standard. Um, but I agree that if you're trying to look really closely at the, uh, at the perf holes, um, it's better to have something, uh, something a little bit more powerful. And I have a, I have a little portable 30-power uh, sort of sub-microscope, little plastic microscope, um, and that's, how, that's, how I use, that's what I use for detecting um, things like gum inside of perf holes. What do you use, Jim? I use the same thing. I use the 10-power loop, and then I use a 30-power if I'm looking at the perfs, especially for gum in the perfs and things like that. And I use the same. Uh, it is actually, a, it's called an LED scale loop. It has a scale inside of it, but I don't like the scale they use. There's too many lines on it, so I replace it with a peak loop, uh, scale. But this is found on uh, Amazon. They're, I think, about 25 bucks. And it's 10x illuminated jeweler's loop tool. And uh, you'll know it when you see it. It's a 10 power. It's got a little switch on it that has a light on it. I love this. This is the greatest loop. And you, you own Amazon stock, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to, before this, use Peak loops. Well, that's what I use. And, but Peak is mm, 120 bucks. 80. Eight, oh, uh, actually, 60s. Well, they've gone down. Not. They've actually gone down in price. Yeah. They used to be 80 to 90 bucks. Now they're like 60 or 70 bucks. And this is just as good, and it's 25. Well, that also has a light. The peak loop doesn't. Right. So you get a light and cheaper. And it's got an adjustable focus on it. Right. Which is nice. Well, so does the peak. Right. But I mean, if, if you're going to get a quality loop, you want an adjustable oh, yeah, focus. Oh, yeah. That's very important. Uh, if you buy one, the reticle, the glass that sits on top of the stamp on this one has like a dome shaped curve with a bunch of squares in it. And then it's got measuring stuff going off in different directions and little boxes and stuff. The peak loop has just a line well, the, the peak, with a scale on it. Peak, peak puts out a whole line of, uh, scaled Right products, and uh, the one that we use for measuring stamps is the standard reticle. It's called standard. It basically has a center line, and it goes up to 15 millimeters on each side of the line. Yep. They also make one with a line on, I think it's the left side, and it goes up to 30 on the right. Uh, that's not as good because you want, you, want, you want to focus in the center of your field of view, and so you want your the line that you're measuring from right in the center. So those are the two loops that I wanted to talk about today. Actually, three, I guess, because Colonel Green's magnifying glasses, I guess you could consider that like a gazillion power loop. That's one you would not want to leave outside for very long oh. in the sunlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Burn your house. Instead of burning ants, he burns like cats and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Elephants. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so... I use something slightly different than what the rest of you have said. I use an eight power loop. And uh, 
I use the 10 power for measuring, but I use the 8 power for my general examination. And uh, my theory is if you can't see it at an 8 power, then it's probably not worth mentioning. But um, if you see something, then you go to the higher magnification to really clearly determine what it is you're seeing. Um, I mean, great if you can see that at 8 power, but... Uh, anything stronger, I think, again, you get too close to it and you start finding stuff that that doesn't really uh, going to affect the value. It, it's just uh, too strong. Well, that's uh, Chris Harmer. Shout out to you, Chris. Um, he ran an auction, Harmer Shaw Auctions, and he commented that you know he had this one buyer who returned stuff. And he would put stuff in underneath a magnifying glass and find faults. And it's like, yeah, if you put it under a magnifying glass, you're going to find faults. You know, oh, my goodness, the, these paper fibers are not connected. It's like, yeah, well, you're always going to find that. Well, uh, I, I do have a microscope that goes from 8x to 40x. It's an adjustable focus. And uh, I don't really see any need to go any higher than 40x. Now, 40x is the standard when you're looking for omitted colors or tagging or something like that, or uh, or even uh, omitted perforations. You're looking for traces of the the perf holes. But uh, like I said, anything stronger than 40, I don't I don't see any need for. So I don't even have anything stronger than that. I actually have. And when you're measuring, I think even the 15 power loop that you can get from peak i think that's too strong when you're measuring i i was going to say i have another item that i got off of amazon this is a little uh magnifier you put the stamp underneath it, and it's got a little screen and it brings a picture up i think that was like a hundred bucks and that's kind of cool because i use it for plating us number 11s it's really easy to you know find the little thing that you're when you're plating a U.S. number 11, what you want to do is you want to find a characteristic which is not common. Like the top diamond block is close at the top but not at the bottom, so it's sort of at an angle. And so then you can go through the 600 stamps, the possible positions, and actually, you know, I'm oversimplifying, um, and look for that and whittle it down very quickly to three or four positions. And that helps really, really good with the little screen one. And I forget what the screen one is. I don't use it very often. I only use it for really plating. But that's another item I use. What other items do you guys use? Well, I would have to say that uh, the most important item for me is I have a light that I take with me to stamp shows. Um, it's, a, it's a little portable light. It is rechargeable using a USB and it and it uh, produces a um, a sort of like ought like very white light. Describe uh, it because this is actually a really really super cool item. Yeah, it it folds up into into something into kind of a flat you know uh, almost almost flat thing about a quarter inch thick. Um, but uh, but yeah, it expands o uh, open and then you uh, you can you turn it on and it has three uh, three different light levels and so forth. But the reason I carry that around instead of relying on dealer lighting is because um, when you're looking at a stamp with a dealer light, uh, the dealer lights are all different. They're different color temperatures. They're different 
uh, intensities, um, different wattage, that type of thing. So if I find it a, an extreme advantage to be able to look at a stamp um, using the same um, color temperature of light, the same intensity, uh, and the same uh, brightness, you know, all you know, for you know, as I go from table to table, because um, you know things like regumming and and, uh, and color varieties, they stand out a lot more. You recognize it much more quickly if you're using the exact same light every single time. And where did you get the light so they can? This particular one I got on Amazon. Um, and it's one of those things, typically on Amazon, the stuff that's made in China, it's like, you know, there's a half a dozen different companies, you know, name brand, of, you know, the exact same item. Um, but, um, but it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a portable light, um, and it's, uh, and it's LED and it's, you know, for, foldable and it's also, uh, rechargeable. And I find that to be uh, also quite invaluable is, is you, you know, don't require batteries. You know, you just recharge it. And foldable, it folds down to like the size of a thin cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Kind of a long, thin cell phone. Yeah. Well, so. I, I got one off Amazon. It was 12 bucks. And it, it's the op brand. It's foldable, just like what Mark is saying. And uh, but uh, it, it has it takes four AA batteries, but it also has a USB uh, port in the back where you can uh, plug it in, use your uh, use your phone charger, and and charge it that way. Oh, and that's very important. I mean, it comes it's come it comes with the cord, but it doesn't come with the brick at the end of the cord. So yeah. you can charge it off a computer, you can charge it off your phone, you can charge it off anything that has a USB connection, and uh, and so you, you don't have to use the batteries, but it's convenient because it takes four AA batteries. And the nice thing is I took a t I took two of them to the Cleveland show. I only used one. I used it the entire show on batteries and never had a problem, didn't have to charge it, didn't have to change the batteries, nothing. So, uh, you know, that was a four-day show, and I used it basically all day, every day, and then again at the hotel room at night, and I didn't have any trouble Oh, the 10-power LED uh, scale loop that we were talking about also, that takes the little round batteries. The, the watch batteries. Yeah, the little watch batteries. Um, my suggestion is if you're buying this, go on Amazon and look for those because you can buy 20 of them for $6, whereas at Walgreens, you're going to buy four of them for $6. Talking about the batteries. The batteries. Yeah, you yeah. just buy a card of these batteries. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. they don't even sell them by a card. You have to buy two cards because they're so cheap. Right. <laughs> and and if, if you use the LED on that quite a bit, it does it does fade quite quickly, too. Yeah. Oh, so if you the batteries don't last very long, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah, it's a good hour, uh, couple hours, and that's it. Yeah, but when you're at a show, you need no. more than a couple hours. Oh, yeah. No, total, totally yeah. understand. I, yeah. I actually don't use the light in my loop. I don't. And the, and the reason I don't is because uh, to, in order to change the batteries, you have to unscrew the you know, the, the you top. disassemble would, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, so, so I lose um, the adjustment I made for, the, for, my, uh, for my eyesight. So I have to readjust for the you know eyesight every each time I op, you know open it up to change the batteries. So I find it easier just to have a separate. Lamp. Yeah, tell uh, talk about that other light because 
you, the other light you have is a really cool light too. Yeah, I have a I have a, a portable flashlight, little handheld flashlight um, that uses one of those uh, rechargeable larger size batteries. I I forget the the type, but it's about uh, three and a half inches long, about uh, three quarter inch diameter battery, a single single one. Um, but it's a um, uh, it's made by UV Beast, um, and I don't think they make the same one anymore. But this particular one uh, has a very bright, powerful white LED um, is one setting, and then the other setting is um, long wave ultraviolet. So I can switch back and forth between white and ultraviolet. So Jim, what tools are you using? Well, uh, one of them that I wanted to talk about was a um, computer program that we used here and our friend Tom uh, found this on the internet. It's called RetroReveal.com and I, you go to the webpage, it's spelled just the way it sounds, R-E-T-R-O-R-E-V-E-A-L.com and you have to create an account when you go on it but it it's is free. A free. It's free. It's a free thing and it's powered by Nitya Pushta, which is an Indian stamp auction. Um, so they're into stamps a lot. Oh. Um, the, the program works very simply. You browse and upload your photo and or scan. Um, the main problem with the photo is it has to be probably under 600 DPI or you know, not a high-resolution photo. I think the image itself has to be under th four megabytes, I think. Yeah, three. He's yeah, three, I think it's three, three. or four. Yeah. I think it's but, three. Yeah, but... And then a JPEG or a, a PNG form. But generally, even at 600 DPI, I've never hit the limit Yeah. For, you know, for stamp size. And so, anyway, once you do that, you upload your scanner file, and you go to the process, and it automatically then will shoot out a dozen or more different scans in different um, uh, UV and different well, things, different filters. filters. So you can use it to enhance a cancel or writing if it's a cover. Or I, I was ex talking about documents and, uh, you know, a lot of the early documents, the ink fades really hard to read so this helps you to read that stuff um, it also is helpful because it has a quasi 3d image that it gives you so you can kind of see if the uh, for example a cancel is over the uh, printed maybe an overprint or something like this that. is a biggie why don't you go into that one because this is where it 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 Excels. I don't know what's a better word than excels. <laughs> it, it it gets ten stars for this. Yeah, the, the the main problem that you have with overprints, let's say the Kansas Nebraska overprints, is that uh, anything like that that has a postmark on it, generally, um, the the thing you want to know is was it overprinted over the top of the cancel. Well, if it's overprinted over top of the cancel, clearly then the overprint is fake. fake. Right. And, uh, I mean, if the cancel's on top of the overprint, then, you know, they could both be fake, but... Um, it, it eliminates it, something. Yeah, it eliminates, yeah. you know, you, you're, 
you're not eliminating anything. You're just uh, on going foreign, one step further. On foreign stamps, this is a, a game changer because, like, you know, you have a, a certain – I know a couple French overprints that the used stamp is very, very cheap, and so they pop the really expensive overprints on top of them. Well, you know, if you're doing it on top of a used stamp, then, you know, it's not you use the stamp and then they overprinted it. it they overprinted it and then you use the stamp. So that cancel had better be on top of the overprint. Right. And for the rest of the world, this is a biggie. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but it just seems like we had a Canal Zone overprint with a postmark on yeah. it that, that we deemed was on top of or. Yeah, that was the postmark was uh, the the cancel, the overprint was on top of the cancel, and that so this is a, a free service. Um, it's available on the internet, and it's a I think it's a really cool tool, especially when you're trying to decipher things. You know, Tom Tom showed me one where he was uh, you could not read the postmark on the stamp itself, but when we went through the different filters, you could pick up here a letter, there a letter, and pretty soon you had one that and, you and, could read it. And you can adjust uh, the settings. It, it has right. It has a number. It does a number of automatic filterings, but then on each one you can adjust different characteristics, brightness yes. and contrast, and and things like that. And you can and so in addition to the the basic uh, things that it gives you. You can then play with them and see if you can enhance them even further. Yeah. And uh, so you can rotate anyway. the stamp. You can right. And there's also there's also another website um, that uh, is like a cancel reveal. It's similar to that. I haven't tried it, but I've seen it. And I like retro reveal, so I've I, like I said I haven't tried it, but uh, maybe one of these days I will. I suppose it would also. Uh, show cancels that are not visible to the naked eye. Sometimes. Remove cancel or something. Sometimes, yeah. The the VSC is a very expensive piece of equipment. It is much more, it, it gives you some of these things better, but this is really a good tool for the average collector because you don't have 40 There's, grand to buy a, right. or 400 ba or whatever Basically, it is. you can use a cell phone picture or you mm -hmm. can use a scan. And, uh, and it, you know, if it says the file is too big, you just crop it down to the area that you need. And generally, you're okay. There's plenty of information there. Yep. So, so that, that's just one of those things that probably not most of us, you know, I, I, as a stamp collector, I wouldn't think of using that because it just wouldn't occur to me to uh, use it in my everyday thing. Like we use some of the magnifiers and everything everything every day but this it is, is something that it, it really is a fantastic out. website yep i agree well i will uh put the obvious one on the table is uh stamp tongs and i use the shovel the square shovel tips that are bent so they're like at an angle and I like the little square tips, but I get them at an angle because everybody else doesn't like them. And so if we find a pair of tongs laying around the office 
and it's my square bent ones, I go, those are my tongs. <laughs> because there is a law in nature that you never actually own stamp tongs. You only possess them for a short period of time, and then they get released into the wild and float through the universe until they wind up on another person's table someplace. Yeah, these are, these are the stab tongs that look like little miniature golf clubs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I, I, don't, I don't like, if we're talking about tongs, I, I don't like the ones with very, very sharp type points because I think you have a tendency as an average collector to maybe damage the stamp by using it incorrectly. I like a little broader tip. Not necessarily the golf club one, but you know, a little broader tip. Well, I I started out with uh, I guess it was probably a spoon tip or spade tip uh, tongs, and, and they were fairly short. They were you know four or five inches long. And uh, when I started working professionally, uh, I got introduced to the to the longer uh, seven inch tongs and then the option with the the extremely sharp points or the moderately sharp points or the or spade or spoon tips became uh, available to me as an option and um, I found that the the pointy sharp tipped uh, tongs uh, just suited me better uh, took a little practice to get used to it, make sure I didn't damage anything. But I found that I had more control and I had uh, better dexterity with those than I did with the uh, the other ones that uh, I used as a beginner. So I use the I use the sharp ones. Um, and my biggest problem is I put them in my pocket and they go right through the bottom because they're so sharp. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, seven inches impressed the ladies. Yeah. Ah. I will mention one I, thing. I, I haven't had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the other end of the stamp tongs, uh, the one, the the or the shovel tips that I get, there's actually two different ends on the other side. One of them has comes to like a point, and the other one is rounded. I like the rounded ends because. When you're dealing with mint stamps and you want to remove a hinge, I was taught this a long, long time ago, and it, it really makes a difference. Use the other end of your tongs to rub the hinge. And sometimes, well, let's say better than 50-50, by rubbing the hinge, you will break apart the bond between the paper and the gum and the glue, and you will be able to remove it easier. So I'm actually using both ends of the stamp tongs. Well, you have to be careful when you do that, though. If you press too hard, you can uh, impress oh, yeah. into the paper, and you can't do that. You have to be very gentle when you do that. Um, the idea is to just kind of get the get the hinge to 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 move slightly to break those bonds, whereas if you push too hard... Uh, then uh, you're getting into damaging the stamp, well, I mean, and you don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, I, I, thank you for saying the obvious. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there are. It, it takes some a learning curve. Well, actually, that it does. Um, 
how long you rub, how you rub. One of the things is you rub like around the middle. You don't rub the edges because it's really easy to catch one of those edges, pull it up a little bit, and thin the stamp. Well, the other thing is uh, what surface do you put the stamp on? Oh, I put I put it on uh, beach. I go to the beach and lay it on the sand at the beach. Hmm. Right. <laughs> you, know, do you, you put, put it, it on a hard table. Do you put it on a cushion? Do you put it on a table? Do you put it on a, like a no, le- it, a leather writing uh, no, area? It, it needs to be hard, otherwise you will make marks into the stamp. Yeah. No. I, what I do is I I take my metal perf gauge, I flip it over to the back, and I use that. Uh, when I do it, so that I have a, a clearly hard surface, and it doesn't matter what's underneath that. It could be a, it could be a blanket for all I care. Yeah, good but, point. But uh, you know, having that metal surface there to, to uh, rub against is uh, helpful. Yep. So to summarize, it's okay to rub it. Just don't rub me the wrong way. Yes. With your seven incher. Right. Yes. Pointy. Your pointy seven incher. I I think that uh, we have uh, jumped the shark on this. I do have one other thing. My wife was at a craft show over the weekend, and she was looking at these candles that a person had handmade, and on the back of the tag was a, a little symbol. She asked what the symbol was, and the guy said, "Well, that's the was the phase of the moon at the time when I made the candle," and I thought, you know. We're always looking at ways to improve here at PSC. Wouldn't it be awesome to have something at the bottom of the certificate that says, on the date that this stamp was certified, the moon was in the seventh house and Jupiter was aligned with Mars? Hey, that's uh, you, you sounds know, like a good we, start we, of a song. We, we, yeah, let's let's <laughs> let, let's explore this in a later podcast, yeah. shall we? You should jump on yeah, this one, before the one where I'm does. not here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get it before the other advertising companies all jump on it and yeah. steal the idea. So I, I've got a couple of off the wall tools that that I use that are. Um, not very common. Uh, the first one's a sinoscope, which is used for watermark detection. It uses, uh, you, you place a stamp in it, and it, it squeezes the stamp, and then it uses uh, angled lighting to reveal the watermark. Because basically, uh, the watermark is a depression in the paper, and it's like shining the sun across uh, mountains and valleys. You get shadows in the valleys and you get sun on the peaks. And it's the same thing with this. You get uh, you get shadows where the watermarks are. And uh, I find that it's really good for difficult watermarks, uh, especially on orange and yellow U.S. stamps. Perf tens. And then also on some of the um, tougher British Commonwealth Stamps, uh, where the watermarks are really hard to see, with the PVC gum and the and the chalky paper, and and uh, some t- a lot of times you can bring those watermarks out where you can actually see the orientations, where where sometimes you know a vertical versus a horizontal watermark makes or sideways and upright makes a difference in value sometimes quite a bit, and uh, I find that this particular device works well. 
it's made in two varieties, a handheld and and then a, a portable. And uh, the handheld runs, I think, around $400, and the portable probably runs about $150. Um, but you can buy them secondhand. I've bought two so far secondhand. I think I paid 10 or 20 bucks for each. And uh, they're out there, and uh, they work well. You want to make sure you get them in good working order. What, do, uh, what does one look like so people will know when they see one? Um, they look like a little box with a... Um, well, the, the portable one's like a small 3x3 three three box with a, a viewing shade on it. Uh, and it's battery-powered, and you can uh, you push the button that lights the light after you put your stamp in. And uh, and then the, the the shade is so that you can cut out the ambient light to see the shadows. And the other one is about six or seven inches long, four or five inches high. Um, it has a, uh, usually it has a battery and a, a plug-in to power it and uh, again and then you have the the viewing area on one end and uh, and a little um, lever to apply the pressure um, they're generally blue in color yeah, um, I think they're a little bigger yeah it's uh the desktop one is yeah the desktop one is a little heavy yeah it's a it's a let's say it's like five cell phones stacked on top of each other um, and then on top of that is a little square with a little viewing area that you look down yeah. through um, another item I like especially for for foreign stamps is the Perfatronic electronic perf gauge oh. <laughs> and uh, uh, I got one of those to try it out and I found that uh, they work pretty well um, sometimes you got to it, it takes a little bit of practice to get the stamp in the proper position to get a good measurement. But, uh, you know, when you're trying to tell the difference between 13 and a half and 14 and a half, uh, rather than messing with the perf gauge or the uh, whatever, it, it's easy to just pop it in there, push the button, and go, oh, okay. And what's really nice is um, when you get these stamps that come with compound perfs like switzerland switzerland different perf gauge on each side yeah exactly yeah. uh it's really good for that because you just measure it f spin it 90 degrees measure it spin it 90 degrees measure it and you can come up with it re much quicker than you can if you were trying to fiddle with a perf gauge and it's uh it's real easy because it gives you a digital readout of what the perf is what the perf gauge is and you can adjust it so it either measures it to the 12 and a half, stuff like that. It, it'll measure either to the nearest quarter perf gauge or it'll measure it to the nearest one hundredth perf right. gauge. And so it's your choice. And it will round. So you get, you know, but uh, I found if you're using the quarter, when it rounds to the quarter, you, you might want to adjust it two or three times and take two or three measurements because if it's close it'll round it and it may round up or down uh 
and then you'll want to uh but so for me a lot of times just using the closest 100th gives me a better idea of of whether it's uh what it is well thank you for listening if i hope we uh, met your expectations if uh we didn't meet your expectations then uh, you need to start lowering your expectations <laughs> happy collecting we need your help Just like nothing that. on the internet is free including our phone and internet connections so you can support the podcast by joining the stamp show here today club the cost is ten dollars for a lifetime membership Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from not landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.